John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Would you go there with me in your copy of God's Word? John chapter 2. And we're headed almost to the end. Verses 23 through 25 this morning. 23. John 2, 23. And we'll begin there. And I'm going to read from my copy of God's Word and you follow along in yours. John 2 and verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the, at the Passover feast, that is Jesus, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. Now, as we come back to our study in John's Gospel this morning, I remind you that his purpose in lining up the events that we've seen so far and throughout this Gospel is so that we might believe in Jesus Christ and have life in His name. That's the truth of John chapter 20 and verse 31. Soon you will be able to recite it with me. John chapter 20 and verse 31, John's purpose for writing, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This is why John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes what he writes in his Gospel so that those who read this account this gospel will believe in Jesus and have life, everlasting, eternal life. Now, we're only at the end of chapter 2 in this 21-chapter book, and we've seen that John has been right on task carrying out his purpose. We see it repeatedly in these first two chapters. Think about it with me. Go back for a moment to chapter 1. We see it in chapter 1 where John the Apostle points to John the Baptist back in verse 6 when he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And then in verse 12, John writes, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Then in chapter 2, We see Jesus turns the water to wine and verse 11 says this, the first of His signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples believed in Him. And then last week we saw Jesus say this in verse 19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And then John points to the time After Jesus' resurrection, when His disciples remembered that He had said this, verse 22 says, When therefore He was raised from the dead, His disciples remembered that He had said this, and they believed the Scripture and the Word that Jesus had spoken. Now think about this. John says, here's my purpose. Chapter 20, verse 31, here's my purpose. I want people to to read what they read and see that Jesus is the Son of God and believing, and by believing, have life in His name. 
So I, I think this is great. We go back, we look from chapter chapter 1 through chapter 1 into chapter 2, throughout chapter 2, and we see this repeating idea. People believe, people believe, they hear, they see, they believe. It's great, isn't it? John's writing about Jesus so that people will know who He is and believe in Him, and we see it happening before us, don't we? And we see that people are receiving life in His name, and He's giving these examples of people who who are seeing the ministry of Jesus, and they are believing in Him. But when we get to the end of chapter 2, and we read the verses that I began with a moment ago, starting with verse 23... Do you notice that something doesn't seem right? Something doesn't seem right as we begin in verse 23. Look at those verses again. Verse 23 says, Many believed in His name when they saw the signs that He was doing. Now, at first glance, we say, that's good, right? I mean, this is good. This is good. You come to verse 23 and you and you read it and you think, now this is good. People are believing. This is good. This is what John is, is telling us about. He's telling us about these events. He's telling us about these people so that we too will see and believe. And this is good. People are believing. And then you start reading verse 24, which starts with the word, but. Now that can't be good, right? That can't be good. It's kind of like the person who says to you, you know, I really, I really like what you're doing with your hair. But did you, did you just like kind of totally forget everything they said before that three-letter word, right? Or it's like the person who says, now you know I'm on your team, right? You know I'm your best, watch out, best friend in the world, right? You know I got your back. I'm there for you. But. Don't you just want to say, there's something in you that says, you just totally made me forget everything you said before but. It just kind of devalues everything that comes before it, right? Now that's kind of what's happening here. That's just kind of what's happening here when John goes on to say in verse 24, but Jesus, on His part, did not entrust Himself to them. Now, just pause for a moment. Think about that little phrase there. He did not entrust himself to them. That's in the in the original languages. There's kind of a wordplay going on here. Back earlier, it said they they observed his his signs and many believed. That same word that that we get believed from is the same word that's used in trust here. So in in effect, they were entrusting themselves. They were entrusting Jesus, but he was not entrusting themselves to him for a good reason. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Here's why. Because he knew all people. Now there's an indicator to something going on here beneath the surface that we're not seeing. Jesus sees it, but we don't see it. And verse 25 says, And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now doesn't reading those two verses after reading verse 23 that people were believing in Jesus kind of make you wonder what in the world is going on here? Something is not right. What is happening here is that John is telling us, and this is important, listen closely, because John is is revealing this to us because Jesus revealed it to him and the others because John's relating probably something Jesus told him later, told them later. Look, 
something's not right with this scene. And so John comes along and he says, this is important because Jesus made sure that, that they understood this is important, that not all belief is belief that saves. Not all belief is belief that saves. Not all belief is real belief. That's made clear by the fact that Jesus knows what's going on in the heart of man. And He does not entrust Himself to them. Verse 23 says, He knew all people. It means He sees what they really are. He sees what they really are. We, we saw a glimpse of this truth back in chapter 1 in verse 47. Do you remember it? When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, you remember what Jesus said? He looked at him and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. In effect, what he's saying is, this is a true seeker. This is someone who truly wants to know. In a, in, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And when Nathaniel, what happened to Nathaniel? He was surprised, right? He's like, wait a minute. How do you know me? He didn't argue with him to say, oh, no, no, you know, humbly, that's not me, you know, but he's like, how do you know who I am? How do you know me? And Jesus, with a little more insight, says, listen here, that, that's not the half of it. Before, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I saw you then. I know your life. I know you. I know who you are. I don't know. I know what you are. Even more than that, I know who you are. And verse 23 says in our passage this morning, he knew all people. It means he sees what they really are. He knows the true nature of man. The true heart and nature and mind of man cannot be hidden from Jesus Christ. There's a pointer to, to His deity there, isn't there? He knows what's in the heart of man. John says plainly here in verse 25 that Jesus knew what was in man. Now while you and I know, we know about people, right? And sometimes we think we know people and we say, oh, I, I know Him. You know, or I know her, or I know about them. We really don't know like Jesus knows. We know because we observe with our eyes, right? And we experience things, interactions with people. We know the, the exterior, the external. And we know about people because we hear accounts of people. So we know about them because of others telling us about them. But Jesus doesn't need to see people's actions to know them. Jesus doesn't need to witness their actions and see them to know them. He doesn't need to have the witness of others for Him to know them. Jesus knows their heart. He knows their real motives, their real intentions, their real longings of heart. Now, while we don't know what's truly in the heart of man, there is absolutely no guessing about the heart of man for Jesus. He knows. Now what we learn from this account may make us uneasy, but I think it's an uneasiness we need to feel. Jesus knows you. He knows what you really are. We learn something about man here, don't we? 
We learn something about ourselves here, don't we? We learn that though some may say they believe in Jesus, they may even show outward signs of belief, not all that appears to be belief is belief that saves. We can see it in the text because Jesus was not entrusting Himself to those whom He knew weren't really believing in Him. John says they were believing in His name. Now, now we see that and we think, well, that must mean they're believing in Him as Savior, but that's not what He's saying here. They're believing in His name and He points to something that, that made them put some belief in Him. John says they're believing in His name, but the idea here is that it was not a saving belief. It's not the belief that, 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 that's indicated by a change of heart that says, I am a sinner. I, I understand my need for a Savior now. And I believe in the Savior, Jesus Christ. John says they were believing in His name, but the idea here is not that it was a saving belief. It was actually a belief that in, in this, that He had some kind of authority. And so people were watching him and they were seeing things happen that they had not witnessed before and thinking, this guy is important and I want to hear more of what he says. I, I like what I'm hearing and I, and, I, and I want to follow where he goes and see what he says and see what he does and experience his miracles, his signs. These were people who were seeing those signs. They were witnessing the signs. And Jesus was performing very likely his healing of the sick and casting out demons and they were... Here's what was happening. They were believing that He had to be somebody special. But they weren't believing in Him as Jesus Christ, the Man, the Messiah, the Savior. They weren't putting their faith in Him as the Savior. They were intrigued and they wanted to know more. But that was just merely the beginnings. If, if it was, it was just the beginnings of faith. John Gill notes that many believed Quote, that he was some, some great prophet, or the prophet, or the Messiah. They gave an historical assent unto him as such, at least for that time. And that's what was going on here. Jesus knew their hearts and knew that this belief was not true belief because it was not true, heartfelt, repentant, gospel belief they may have said, you know, we want to go where He goes and we want to hear Him speak more and we want to see more signs from Him. They may have even taken great hope in those miracles, but Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that when things looked differently to them, when things got difficult, when there was opposition, they would not be numbered among those who were true believers. They were attracted to the miracles, but not the man. They saw the signs, but they didn't see the Savior. And since Jesus could see that they really didn't see, and really didn't believe in Him, He would not have any part of them. And that returns us to what we learn about Jesus here that points to His deity. John is showing us who Jesus is so that we will believe and have life in His name. And He doesn't want us to be those people who are numbered among those who see the man, who see this miracle worker and not the man, the Messiah, who see His signs but don't believe in the Savior. 
John doesn't want us to be those people, and I don't want you to be those people. What we see here is the omniscience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that is is the fact that He is all-knowing. God's omniscience, of course, is clear throughout Scripture. You ought to take Psalm 33, verses 13 to 15, for example, when it says, The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man from where He sits and throne. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, all-knowing, omniscient, knowing everything. Of course, we see it in our passage here in John 2 in verses 24 and 25 because He knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for He Himself knew what was in man. Let that truth about Christ and its implications sink in for you this morning. Think of this. If Jesus knows everything, even your heart, and He does, then it follows that He knows just what you need. He knows just what you need. And I'm not talking about merely the temporal things, although those things can be important at times. He knows just how you need to be saved from your sin. And He knows how to save you from your sin. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself, and He knows that it's not being excited by His miracles that saves you. It's only by the shedding of His blood and belief in His name because He shed His blood. As Hebrews chapter 8, verse 22 reminds us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And then in verse 26, that Jesus put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. And in that truth, there's a reminder for us from our passage here in John. There's a, there's a kind of belief that Jesus will not accept. You see, it's not great hope. You know, somebody might say, I have great hope. I, I have great faith. It's not great hope or great faith or belief in Jesus' miracles that saves. I see the signs. I have great hope because I see great signs. Well, that, that people, you ought to be encouraged because you see the signs. And I'm constantly pointing you to look out the windows, not while I'm preaching, of course, but to look outside and say, look at the signs of the Savior. Right? Look at the signs. Look around and see His hand at work. And yes, you ought to be encouraged and strengthened by those, but you, you shouldn't believe just because there's signs. You, could, you should believe because there's a Savior who shed His blood for you. And daily, your sin is accounted for because He paid the price. So it's not great hope or belief in Jesus' miracles that saves. It's not a belief that Jesus will accept you because you've been a pretty good person or better than the neighbor. 
It's not a sincere belief that there are many ways to God and Jesus is just one of them. It doesn't work. Jesus will look on that kind of faith and say, I can't accept that faith. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? So be warned that not all belief is belief that saves. Jesus can see belief that isn't really belief, and he'll have nothing to do with those who don't really believe in him. There are pointers to this in God's word. Heed Jesus' warning in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 21 to 23 when he he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What's that? It's the one who believes in Jesus Christ and repents of their sin and trusts in Jesus and shed blood for them. That's it. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do you hear that? That even good things done for God without real faith in Jesus Christ is insufficient. Proverbs 21.2 makes it very clear for us that the Lord knows the heart. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. You can almost hear that back in the passage in Matthew that I just read. Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things? I mean, look at my ways. The things in my own heart, they seem right. But the Lord weighs the heart. And it's clear here in John's Gospel, in the closing of chapter 2, that only beginning in your faith is not enough. You see, some saw the signs that Jesus performed and had what may have been the very beginnings, the very early inklings of faith when they said, wow, that's different, let me see more of that. And I'm going to follow him and just check this guy out. Some saw those signs that Jesus performed and they they may have had just the beginnings of faith, we don't know. But Jesus knew their hearts, didn't He? And though they may soon be ready to make Him an earthly king, He knew that this wasn't real faith. And so my challenge to you this morning is be certain that your faith is in the man, Jesus Christ, and not in your works or even His signs. Because He alone can save you. It's Jesus Christ that saves. It is His shed blood that paid the price for your sin and mine. In fact, we see this very truth when we studied back in chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him, but to all who did receive Him who 
believed in his name. And this belief is belief that says, I see the Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You do not save yourself, do you? Jesus' miracles observed and believed in do not save you. It's clear and obvious in the passage this morning that there were those who were attracted to what they saw, but not enough to humble themselves and admit that they were sinners in need of a Savior. And so the challenge this morning for us is believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. And if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have believed in Him and His finished and final work for you on the cross, then be certain that your hope is in nothing but Jesus Christ. Put not your hope in your own flesh. Put it on the Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Be encouraged that the Lord weighs your heart. He knows your heart. Be encouraged. Be challenged. But be encouraged also. Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, how thankful I am for your word. And I pray and I trust that your people are deeply grateful for your word. And God, I pray that you would take this word for us this morning. And yes, get our attention and shake us up and help us see that there is a danger in being emotionally attached, being excited about what you see in the Savior without being moved to a point of repentance and complete trust in Jesus Christ with nothing added. And God, guard our hearts. And God, help us to make the Gospel clear as we share these truths with people who desperately need You. Help us to make them clear. Help us to honor Your Word and point them to Jesus Christ. And God, I pray You would draw us to Yourself this morning and encourage and strengthen us and embolden us and strengthen us with hope and courage because Jesus knows our hearts. He knows who we are. He knows what we are. And He knows what we need and just how to save us and yielded Himself to You, Father, to be sacrificed for our sins. So give us Your encouragement and give us Your strength and help us to yield before Your truth and Your Word and remember to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not on ourselves and our own accomplishments, even our own obedience, but in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word working in and through us to help us honor Jesus Christ with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.